and thank you for joining us here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. For those of you who don't know, Dr. M. H. Tab was born into God's family almost 56 years ago by the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then served as a Christian school principal, Bible Institute teacher, administrator, and assistant pastor. In 1980, God then called Dr. Tab to establish Gulf Coast Baptist Church, where he pastored for 40 years. He continues his service now as the founder of Gulf Coast Bible Institute, preacher, and author of over 46 doctrinal books. Let us now open our Bibles together with Dr. Tab as our guide and rightly divide the word of truth here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. Welcome to today's podcast. I trust it might be a blessing to you. Hope it will. Today our subject is the fact of uh, King James preachers using Greek from the pulpit. Now I'm not saying that's wrong, but there are some principles that should be noted, and that's what we're going to consider today. Uh, I recommend you pause this podcast and get paper and pen ready because you may want to write down some things later. Have you ever heard a preacher refer to the Greek uh, words uh, agape and phileo? Leviticus 5 says you can sin and not know it. It's not a sin to be wrong, it's a sin to stay wrong once you know the truth. To do something wrong in, in ignorance is one thing, but to do it with full knowledge of what you're doing, now you're crooked, now you're deceptive. Leviticus 5 verse 3 says, Whatsoever uncleanness it be that a man shall be defiled withal, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth it of it, then he shall be guilty. Now let's look at the passage that creates the Greek problem for so many Bible believers. John 21 verses 15 through 17 says this, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Now here's the supposed problem to that passage. Jesus used the Greek word agape, which supposedly means a deep, intimate, selfless love. But Peter used the word phileo, supposedly meaning a love of a lesser degree than agape. The Schofield Reference Bible pegs the problem perfectly. His marginal notes on verse 15 of that chapter state, quote, Agape, deeply love, used of divine love, and of that love which the law demands. And of phileo, he says, quote, to be fond of, it is a lesser degree of love than agape. End of quote. Now, here's the way the enemies of the King James Bible tell the story. And sadly, this uh, is picked up by some true King James believers. The Lord said in verse 15, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? In other words, Simon, do you love me with a deep, intimate, selfless love, with agape love? 
according to uh, the definitions given. Uh, Peter was afraid uh, of that much commitment, so he said, well, I, I love you with a casual, friendly, phileo love. Now, not getting the answer he wanted, the Lord asked again in verse 16, Simon, lovest thou me with agape love? Schofield repeats his marginal definitions at verse 16. And again, uh, Peter, afraid of that much commitment, he says, Lord, I love you with phileo love, not agape. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to get that committed in this thing. So I only love you with a casual, friendly phileo love. So the Lord, realizing he's not going to get the commitment of agape love out of Peter that he wants, he changes his word in verse 17 and says, All right then, Peter, do you love me with phileo love? In other words, are you fond of me? So on verse 17, Schofield says, quote, Our Lord here takes Peter's word, phileo, in a quote. <clears throat> now, the explanation goes like this. Peter's grieved in verse 17 because the Lord changed from agape, that deep commitment, to phileo, that casual, friendly love. So the Lord says, okay, Pete, uh, well, then do you at least love me with phileo love? And Peter responds, well, yeah, yeah, I love you with phileo love. The Lord's response all three times was the same. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Now here's the argument. Since you're shackled to this King James Bible, and you don't know Greek, you can never get these nuggets from the Word of God. So you need to know the Greek in order to get the full meaning of the Word of God. Without the Greek, you will never really understand your Bible. Now, it is true that the Lord did say agape, and Peter answered phileo. The Lord said again agape, Peter answered again phileo, and the Lord finally said phileo, and Peter answered phileo. That's all true. Everything else the critics tell us is sheer baloney, absolute nonsense. Uh, let me give you an illustration. All stop signs everywhere in the United States are eight-sided red with white letters. Why is that? Every state in the union, why is it? It's a rule. Okay, if agape is a deep, selfless, godly love, and phileo is a casual, friendly, fond-type fond love, and that's the rule, then it'll prove itself in every place the Greek words appear. And by the way, exceptions do not prove rules. They just prove somebody broke the rule. The idea uh, of exceptions proving rules came from Cicero when he said, quote, the exception confirms the rule in cases not accepted, end of quote. Uh, it became English law in the early 17th century and interpreted as meaning, uh, quote, exception confirms the rule in the cases not accepted, end of quote. Uh, for example, if the rule is all birds can fly, then the exception penguin does not prove the rule. It proves that the opposite uh, is true, that the rule is not valid uh, when it says all birds can fly. But if we said most birds can fly, then the penguin prove, proves that rule, not on, uh, that not all birds uh, can fly. So the misunderstanding of that proverb the exception proves the rule, is that the word exception uh, is the problem, not the word proves. So the exception gives authority. In other words, it proves the rule that most birds can fly, but not all. Anyway, let's get back to our lesson at hand, okay? Now, would you say that Peter, James, Paul, and Jesus are a little higher up the scale in their knowledge of Greek than any Greek professor alive? I would certainly say so. I mean, they lived in that time frame, and they, they knew <laughs> those languages perfectly. Um, a little bit more about a rule holding true. 
For example, if I put a combination of 25 triangles and circles on a test, and you were to mark each one with either a C for circle or a T for triangle, you should get all 25 correct, right? Why? Because of the rule. A circle is round, a triangle has three sides. You can easily see which is which, uh, according to the rule. If agape is one kind of love and phileo is another, then you should be able to identify agape and phileo uh, 25 times uh, because you know the rule. The, the supposed rule is agape is a deep, intimate, selfless, godlike love. Phileo is a casual, friendly, fond type love. Uh, you'll find those made up rules in some commentaries and some Greek lexicons. But those rules are designed to make you believe you have to be a Greek scholar or go to a Greek scholar or you'll never know what God said. That is Catholicism at its best. Go to the priest if you want to know what God said. Now, those definitions are not true. And I'm going to illustrate that from the Bible itself, okay, our final authority. I'm going to give you 25 references, and you may want to jot them down. That's why I mentioned paper and pen earlier. Uh, uh, and based on the definitions given, you decide, based on those definitions, which word God used in each reference. Base your definition on the assumption that the words are defined the way all modern Greek professors teach. Agape, a deep godlike love, phileo, a fondness or friendliness. Now after you've had a few seconds to decide, I'm going to give you the correct answer. This quiz uh, will answer this question as well. If Jesus were here today and spoke English, would he use the word ain't? When I answer that question, you'll see what that has to do with this test. Okay, here's the agape phileo test. I'm going to give you 25 references, give you a second to mark what you think each one is, and then we will turn around and see what they really are uh, after we take this quiz. You determine if the word love in each verse is a translation of agape or phileo. And if you jot these verses down, you might note by each one an A, agape, or a P, phileo, to denote what you think it should be according to the rule. Now, after we've gone through the list, as I said, I'll give you the correct answer. Mark your answers either correct or wrong once we grade the test. Now, first of all, let's think about how Jesus used the words agape and phileo. Reference number one, Luke 11, verse 42, talks about the love of God. Okay, what kind of love would God have for us? A deep, intimate, agape love or a casual, friendly, phileo love? Reference number two, John 5, 42, again, the love of God. What kind is it? Reference number three, Matthew 10, 37, where he says, He that loveth father or mother more. Well, what kind of love should they have for the Lord that they had for their father and their mother? Mother. Reference number four, Revelation 3, 9. He says to know that I have loved thee. Speaking of God's love for the church, what kind should it be? Revelation 3:19 is number five. As many as I love. Again, the Lord's talking about the church. What kind of love should he have for the church? Uh, number six is Matthew 23, 6. 
love the uppermost rooms. Uh, he's talking about the kind of love uh, Pharisees had for the uppermost rooms. What kind do you think they had? Number seven is Luke 11:43. You love the uppermost seats. Again, the kind of love the Pharisees had for uppermost seats. Now I'm going a little fast, fast for the sake of time, but you can always pause if you want to jot something down. Number eight is John 12:25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. Mm, what kind of love would be involved there? Number nine is John 5.20. The Father loveth the Son. Mm, what kind of love did the Father have for His Son? John 16, verse 27. The Father Himself loveth you because you have loved me. What kind should that be? Now, this second group, uh, how did the New Testament writers use agape and phileo? In number 11, we have 2 Timothy 3, verse 4. It says, pleasures more than lovers of God. What kind of lover of God should people be? Number 12 is John 11:5. Jesus loved Martha. What kind of love do you suppose he had for her? John 20, verse 2. Other disciple, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. What kind of love would he have for his disciple? Number 14 is 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If any man love not the Lord. Okay, what kind of love should we have for the Lord? And by the way, that particular verse proves you can be saved and live your life under a curse from God. Of course, not the curse of hell or eternal damnation, but other things that uh, you really don't want in your life. Number 15 is 1 Corinthians 16, 24. He talks about my love be with y'all, Paul speaking. What kind of love did Paul have for the carnal Corinthians. Number 16 is Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love. What kind of love would God be commending to people by having his only begotten son die for them on Calvary? Number 17 is 2 Timothy 1, 7. Talks about a power and of love. What spirit of love did God give us? Number 18, Romans 12, 10. Uh, one to another with brotherly love. The kind of love we should have one for another as Christians. Number 19, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. Abound in love toward another. Again, uh, brotherly love. And 1 Peter 2.17 says, Love the brotherhood. Uh, number 21 is Hebrews 13.1. Let brotherly love continue. Again, talking about the love we should have one for another as children of God. Titus 2.4. To be sober, to love their husbands. What kind of love do you suppose uh, uh, God would want a wife to have for her husband? Ephesians 5.28, so ought men to love their wives. Again, the kind of love that uh, a man should have toward his wife. 1 John 2.5, verily is the love of God perfected. Mm, what kind of love does God have that is perfected? Number 25 is Titus 3 verse 4, love the love of, it says, and love God our Savior. What kind of love should we have toward God our Savior? Okay, now that's 25 verses about love. Let's see what Greek word is used in each one. Remember, agape is supposed to mean a deep, intimate, selfless love. And phileo is a casual, friendly love. Well, this is running overtime more than I expected, period. So if you want to know how you did on the quiz, listen to part two.